Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. How you doing? Good to see you. Do me a favor. Let's welcome everybody in Montgomeryville. What's up, everyone there? It's good to be with you in church today. Hey, y'all, we got ice cream at church today. Did you see that? I know it's cold, but man, there's, it's never a bad day for ice cream. Can I get an amen? And so... Stop on the way out, get some ice cream. Same rules apply every Sunday. No calories on Sunday. If I see you walking out and your kids aren't getting any and they're not lactose intolerant, you just don't want to sugar them up, I'm taking them over there. And I'm going to get them ice cream. And so we're going to enjoy some ice cream today. And we're going to have a good time in church. We're going to talk about something today that I'm passionate about uh, that I don't think is talked about enough in, in church. And we're going to talk about the topic of money. And, and oftentimes pastors... Do, do one of two things. They either don't talk about it because they know people are going to get mad. And, and, and that's true, right? Like if I talk about adultery, you know who gets mad? The adulterer, right? right? If I talk about, you know, being bitter and being unforgiving, the people that get mad are the people that want to stay bitter and unforgiving. If I talk about money, people that get mad are people that money is their God. And so it is a touchy subject. Other, other times, uh, pastors talk about it, talk about it for the wrong reasons. And I, I'll just... I'm happy to say that we don't, like, we don't, we haven't talked about it since 2013, specifically a message on what I'm going to talk about today. It's been a while, and, and, and some of you were six uh, in 2013, and so, uh, so it's been, it's been a while, uh, but we don't need, your, we don't need your money. Like, that's not, the message today is not like, hey, we're, we're struggling, uh, we're not paying our bills, we need money, let's come out and do that, because I did that. 2008 to 2013, I attempted that, never worked. You just yell at people, they leave, they feel bad about themselves. And so I, I, I think, and I'm proud to say, if you broke open my heart and you really saw what was underneath when it comes to money, it's not something I want to take from you. It's something I want for you. Like I, I want you to experience uh, what the Bible calls being a steward, right? So there's three, three ways you can handle money. You can be a spender. How many of you are spenders, right? Any spenders? Some of you are, listen, the average American has less than $1,000 in the bank. You are. Some of you are spenders, Right? Others of us savers, any savers in this place, you're like, you literally, you, you, your underwear have holes in them, you've sewed them up. That's how much of a saver that you are, right? Like, bro, stop throw those away. And so savers, spenders, biblically speaking, we're called to be stewards. Stewards are understanding everything they have is from God, and so they're asking God, how do you want me to handle it? So if you're not a Christian, both here in Montgomeryville, everything I say today is not going to be for you, because you're not, you don't believe in Christ. You, you wouldn't align yourself with the understanding he, 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 his, he, he is yours, you are his, like you're a manager of what he's given you, you're living your own life, more power to you, save and spend. But if you're a Christian, eventually you got to get to the part where you understand, I'm a steward, I'm a manager of what God has given me. And so I'm going to teach you something that I, that I, in my life, if you said, hey, what's the best thing your parents ever taught you, what I'm about to teach you is the best thing they ever taught me. Of all the things they've established in my life, the principle of putting God first in your finances is the thing that I'm most thankful for. And a lot of people hear this, yet they continue to hesitate and they miss out on the blessings of God. This is not about getting God to love you. God loves you no matter what. 
This is about stepping into the promises of God. Let me give you an example from last night. So my kid went to the Kimberton Fair. Anybody go to the Kimberton Fair this week? Great, great fair. You don't, you don't pay an arm and a leg. Doesn't feel like you've got to take out a second mortgage to go there. And so, uh, so we went to the fair. They actually went twice. We went on Tuesday night. Uh, and I took, I took my, my three boys, and they, two, of, two or three left me. <laughs> and so it was the first time that's happened. And so they left me, went with their friends. And so me and Harrison, you know, hung out. And then uh, last night, one of their friends asked if they could go back to the fair. And so it was the very first time that my, my sons came to me and shook me down for money. That, like, you remember what I'm talking about when you're, when you're a teenager? You come to your parents and you say, can I get a few bucks, Right. So they asked me for a few bucks. I was ready because, man, I remember my parents doing that for me. And they don't have jobs yet. And so I was like, yeah, here's money for, for the ticket. Here's money for food. I expect change, right? Yeah, right. So I gave them the money. I separated it. They both have wallets. We went on Tuesday. Uh, when we went, I told them, I said, listen, uh, when you go to the fair, you can't wear gym shorts, right? Because you have your phone and you have your wallet. And you're going to be in stuff that's flipping you upside down. And you're going to lose something out of your pockets. And the problem with, with teenagers today is if you ask them to wear normal like shorts, like jean shorts or cargo shorts, they act like you're choking them to death. Anybody else's kids? Like literally, they act like they're going to, you need to call child services on them. Like you're actually abusing them by making them put on a collar shirt and a nice pair of shorts. And so I was like, go put on some jean shorts. And Lincoln especially, he acted like I was asking him to do something that was just ridiculous. And so he's like, it'll be fine. So we got to the, the, the fair. And you know what I did? I took their stuff. I put it in my pocket, right? Like I said, I, I got it. Like I'll, I'll hold on to it. You know, I think Carter had his own stuff, but Lincoln, I'll hold on to it. And I, you know, cause I know you'll lose it. So last night comes walking out of the house, get ready to go to the fair. What is he in again? Gym shorts. I said, you got your wallet and your gym shorts. Yeah. You got your, your, your phone. Yeah. You're going to lose it. You're not going to have any money. You're going to lose it. You're not going to have any money. He went to the fair, came back at 1030 last night. We were already in bed because I'm 41 years old. Came into our room, asked him, how was the fair? What do, what do you think happened at the fair? Carter goes, Lincoln lost his wallet. I was like, what? He was like, I was on the, the, the ride. You know, oh, the one I told you about, yeah, that one. And I went up, and I have my phone, because I was holding on to that, but my wallet fell out, and he's like, yeah. He's like, and he didn't even have any money to eat, and then, you know, I had to help him. I couldn't get what I wanted because of him and all this other, like. <laughs> and I just looked at him and said, how many more times are you not going to listen? How many more times are we going to have to go through this racket where your dad, who loves you, who, by the way, gave you the money to go to the fair, right? You just came and you, you just give me some money and I had it and I trusted you with it. How many more times are you not going to do what I asked you to do with it and lose it? And I wonder how many times that God looks at us as his children. And he goes, how much longer are we going to run in this racket? It's not a money problem. It's not a money problem. It's not an amount problem. It's a heart problem. It's an obedience problem. Money is number one competitor for your heart. Just so you know, the Bible talks a lot about money and possessions. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Why? Because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. You do a funeral, you don't see a U-Haul following the person. He says, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, in eternity. He says, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You can store your treasure in one, one place that you can put it in heaven. You, you can put it in a temporary. But your, your heart, which I want, follows your treasure. If you want to know how close you are to Jesus, open up your, your, your visa bill. MasterCard, discover. See where you spend your money. See what you think about, what you invest in. Figure that out. That'll tell you where your heart's at. 
He says in verse number 24, he says, no one can serve two masters if you skip down two verses. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. You cannot serve both God and money. And so what I want to do is I want to introduce you to something that I think has the ability to change your life. It has absolutely the ability to change your life. I want to teach you on the principle of tithing, right? And I want to answer three questions here at Montgomeryville. Maybe you're a new believer. Uh, maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you've heard it before and you don't understand it. Maybe you're mad right now because you think I'm trying to get your money. But I want to answer these questions. What does God want me to do with, with my money? Where does he want me to return it? What does he want me to do? And where does he want me to do it? And why does he ask me to do this? Why is he wanting me to do this? And I want to, I want to take you into the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. And the reason I like it it's because often when you talk about money, I'm not a mind reader, but I know excuses start to fly around your head. Like legitimate, legitimate reasons. Like I'm not a, I'm not a mind reader, right? But I ask God to give me some special revelation for, for, because, because I'm just like you, right? Some of you are, I'm on a fi fixed income. I'm on a limited income. I'm in college, right? I eat ramen noodle every night, literally, right? I can't afford to right now, right? Some of you are saying, I'm, I made really bad financial decisions. I got two cars. They cost me $1,400 a month. I'm in debt. Uh, I'll start tithing when I get out of, of debt. All the church ever talks about is money. I don't tithe because I don't trust pastors, right? I don't tithe because it's Old Testament law. Like it's just the law, the Old Testament law. It's old school. You're going to read Malachi. Some of you have been in church for like, he's going to go to Malachi. You're right. I am. Because it's, it's, it's directed to people like us. It's directed to people that are filled with excuses. God's people have come back. He's established them once again in the promised land. And any time that God begins to bless, oftentimes apathy resides in our hearts and we move away from God. That's been the number one problem in the American church. That's why in 2020, we were so focused. It felt like something was being taken away from us. And so we were focused. My greatest fear is as we move away from this time in history, we're going to go back to where we were before. So you see this in their culture. They're very apathetic. Like, like, like at one point, the, their system to worship God was sacrificing, sacrificing animals. And the Bible says they were bringing the disabled animals and sacrificing them to the God while they were using the good animals for parties. He says, you bring the, you bring the leftovers to me. He says, I see how you live, right? Something doesn't line up. Your, your treasure and your heart are showing that you're far away for me, and so he talks about this in, in Malachi chapter 3. Very, very interestingly enough, he says this. He says in verse number 6, I, the Lord, do not change. This is important. I do not change, so you, your, descendants, your descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. What he's saying in this situation is, I made a covenant with, with, your, with your people, or I'd kill you. I don't change. Like, I made this covenant, or I'd be tired of this routine that we're playing because I continue to give you chance after chance after chance, and you continue to wander away in apathy. But for us, I like the I do not change part, and here's why. Uh, because he does not change. This, what I'm going to tell you, you can take to the bank. No pun intended. Like, this is 100% true 100% of the time. You can go to any continent. You can go to any time in history. You can go to anywhere on this planet, in any situation. And what I'm about to teach you is true. Like, you are not the exception to the rule. Like, everybody else doesn't have it better than you or have more money than you or have it easier than you. They just might be more obedient, but he doesn't change. That's good news for us. You can take him at his word 100% of the time. Amen? That's good news. 
He says, I don't change. And then verse number seven, he says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you continue to turn away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Yeah. In other words, you ever not study for a test and you, and, you, and you ask the Lord to give you the brain power to pass the test? <laughs> and what the Lord would say is study. Uh, right? Same principle. So you're like, I want more money. I want God to bless me. I want more opportunity. I want the doors to open that haven't been opened. Well, God says if you would be faithful in the small things, that he would trust you with what? Bigger things. But you continue to be faithless in that little thing that you have so he can't give you more, right? So just do what I ask you to, to do. Stop playing with chance and just trust me. He says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you robbed me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there will be food in my house. Test me in this. That's really good. You should highlight that. One of the only times in Scripture that God says, test me in this. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I love this part. He says in verse number 11, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines and your fields will not drop their fruit before it ripes and your cars will not break down unexpectedly all the time and your washers will be blessed and not every kid that you have is going to need braces, two of them, two times. Like, like <laughs> you got to make it practical. Some of you are like, you know, growing. I go to Aldi's, right? And so He's, what he's saying is, I'm going to make you more successful than you would be without me. I'm going to lay my hand upon your businesses. I'm going to lay my hand upon you, you, your families. And so the question is, what does God want me to do? If you go to, if you go to that verse, what does he say? Real, real simple. Bring the whole tithe. Bring, bring everything. The full 10%. That's what the tithe means, by the way. The tithe in the Hebrew means maser. And maser means tenth. Bring the whole tithe, the tenth, the first part to me. And here's the thing you got to understand, understand about tithing at its core, because we, 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 we confuse these. Uh, when you're a steward, you think, okay, I got 100%. God's giving me, trust me, it's 100%. So I'm going to give a little bit off the top. I'm going to give a couple bucks, right? And, and God's going to be happy with that. But, but when you're a steward, the question is not, well, what am I doing for God? The question is, God, well, how do you want me to handle my finances? And so what does he say in scripture? I want you to take 100% of what I've given you, and the very first 10%, I want you to, to return it. That's important. It's not giving. This isn't giving. We, we, we do that. We go, like, it's time to give your offering, right? Or give your tithe as, as if you're doing God a favor. No, no, you're a steward. You're, you're returning. It'll, it'll change your mindset. You're just returning back to God what is already his. You're just a manager of his finances. Giving is different. Giving is, hey, I'm giving to Compassion International. We have kids, or I'm giving to local organizations, or I'm giving money away to help somebody get gifts at Christmas, or I'm giving to a missionary. That giving is different. Giving is over and above the tithe. Tithing is returning back to God what is his. In fact, it says this in Leviticus 27. It says a tithe or a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It's holy. It's set apart. It's holy. It's set apart. Tithing is returning. And here's something else that's so interesting about tithing. Tithing, then, is returning back to God my first and my best. And then he has the ability to bless the rest. There's this really interesting thing when it comes to tithing that I've seen in our church, that I've seen personally, uh, over and over and over again. And here's what it is. Uh, I don't know about you, but 100% of my money never feels like enough. 
Anybody there? Like, if I was 22, I made this much. I'm 41, I make this much. It feels like no matter how much I make, it's never enough. Anybody else? Like, when I was 21 years old, we spent, we had a $100 budget a month for groceries. A month, me and my wife. Went to a store called H-E-B. We couldn't even afford Coca-Cola. We had to get Shasta's. You know what I'm talking about? You could get a 24-pack of Shasta for $3 back then, right? And so, and so we, we couldn't afford, we couldn't afford name brand stuff. We had $100 a month. I'm not even lying to you. And so, and we made it. Like, we, we, we still got to go out to eat. We made it. Like, I'm not acting like we were in poverty here, but we had a budget. $100 as a 41-year-old doesn't buy one day's worth of groceries with three little boys. Anybody with me? You're like, you go to the store, you're like, we got seven things at Costco. It's $1,700, right? <laughs> I spend more on toilet paper and paper towels a month than when I was 21, I spent on groceries for the month, right? And then I come into the bathroom and they're just rolled out all over the place that they're playing a game. <laughs> and it's never, it's never uh, enough, but something happens when you begin to tithe. When you begin to tithe and you return to God back your first 10%, you find out somehow miraculously that he is able to do more with that 90% left over than you are when you carry and hold 100% of your money. Like, football's starting. And I wasn't quite sure about this season. Traded Carson Wentz. Usually what will happen is he'll go out and be the MVP and we'll stink. So I was happy when he hurt his foot, right? (laughs) Not because I want him to get hurt. I just feel bad for us and so but I started thinking about these quarterbacks right my boys are playing football for the first time I never played football and so you know so we're getting the pads and all this stuff it's just different different sport and and you know football like they put the helmets on it's hard to throw I started thinking about these quarterbacks in the NFL when you know the balls are you know bigger than and I try to throw one I'm like this this is hard right and this is difficult and and I started thinking it would be it would be easier probably uh if for them if they would deflate, especially Tom Brady, right? But re- realistically, <laughs> deflate a ball to 90%, right? Because it, it, for me, like, that doesn't make sense that you would deflate it that much. But a 90% deflated ball in their hands, right? Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, right? Like, <laughs> is more effective than if you gave me a perfect football and you said, let's have a, let's have a throwing contest, you, the peon, versus the NFL quarterback, like, it, you, can, it doesn't, you can give me, I want the perfect way. Like, 100% full ball in my hands is less effective than a 90% inflated ball in an NFL quarterback's hands. You, you see the principle? Some of you never have enough because you keep everything for yourself, and you pray to God, God, help me. And God says, listen, I can't help you because you don't trust me. How does he want you to handle your money? He wants you to first return your first 10% back to him, right? The question then is, where does he want you to do it? What does he want you to do? Just walk around, give it away? What, is, what does he want you to do? Well, let's just go to the Bible. Where does God want me to return my tithe? Well, scripture says that he wants you to return your full tithe to what? The storehouse. So you're like, what's a storehouse? Well, the storehouse is the Old Testament picture of a New Testament local church. There, there was a temple, and it took things to run the temple. It took food, and it took money to run the temple. And so everybody would bring their first 10%. Many times it was crops at that point. Sometimes 
it was finances back to the church and that would that would then enable the church or the storehouse to run at the standard that it's supposed to run at so what would happen with with the, with the storehouse the, the the food it would feed the priests it would feed the, the the tribe of levi they were like the pastors and, and the deacons and the staff and then the prophets these traveling guys that would speak on god's behalf they, they could use that to, to fulfill their, their work. And then the, the, the money that was there, the crops, they would be used to feed widows and fatherless living in the city. And then at the really, one, the really good ones that had tons of food in the house, they were used to meet needs outside of the, of the Jewish people, to reach the Gentiles, to, to make a difference in and around their city. So if you think logically about it, it's exactly like a New Testament church. And oftentimes, you'll be like, you know, church isn't, church isn't, isn't a business. And I, I, I would argue, I think, I think Jesus was the best. If you are running a business and you want to learn how to be a business, business leader and learn how to build culture, you go to Jesus. He, he's the greatest leader this world has ever known. You, you, you learn about how he related to people, how he spoke to people, how truthful that he was, how he built culture, how he spent one-on-one time with people. You can learn a lot. Like, we pick up books a lot by Simon Sinek and people like that. Like, Jesus was the best leader this world has e- ever known. And so I think a lot of times we run away from this side of the church, but what happens is the church suffers. Churches all over America are not able to fulfill their mission. I'm glad to say we have an extremely generous church. And the Bible says that when you have a generous church, that there'll be food in the house. You ever been to a house that there was lots of food in? I had a few friends that their moms were Southern. It's different. You walk in, it smells like heaven. <laughs> they prepare for you, right? There's, there's, there's food there. There's pies there. There's, there. there's ice cream there. There's bacon there, right? There's, come on, it's the South. There's barbecue there's span like mexican food i mean i've been i had a couple friends and you went there and it literally there was food in the house and it felt like man you were supposed to be there but then you ever been to somebody else's house you're like do you even know you have kids <laughs> like it's 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 you go into the cupboard it's barren there's a lot of churches you go into the cupboard it's barren right now we're wondering why churches are, are closing right and it was, what's funny to me is we live in a time when there's a lot of christians and this has always been the case but it's it's really picking up in this in this time the last two years we're living in the last days you hear people say it all the time we're living in the last days the world's gonna end to which i think to myself if we're living in the last days why are we spending so much time on these days like, wouldn't we sell everything that we could possibly sell and fund the church of Jesus Christ so that there's food in the house, so that we can reach as many people as we can reach before Jesus comes back? It almost feels like in the time when we think it's the end of the world that we're hunkering down in ourselves and we're building our own kingdoms. See, the truth is Jesus or God wants you to give your tithe to the church. And the question is why? Because it's his number one most important earthly possession. It's the church. It's the hope of the world. It has what the world needs. In fact, I love what it says in the book of of Ephesians chapter 5 to husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the what? Loved the church and gave himself up for her. He wants you to bring your full tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in the house. That people can be changed. That money can be given away there's nothing better than pastor in a generous church to where i hear there's a need in a community or there's a local church starting and we can say hey we got ten thousand dollars we want to send you there's nothing better at the end of july going man we, we brought in our church brought in by the grace of god two hundred and seventy thousand dollars in one month that's incredible right 
we're able to cut a $27,000 check tomorrow and go, we're going to bless organizations that have nothing to do with journey. There's nothing better than having somebody call into the church and go, man, I have a friend that has this need. And us going, we can, we can, we can do that. Or, or driving by Giant and seeing somebody sitting in the parking lot and go, man, our church has been so generous. These people, these kids have no food. Let's go in and let's get them some gift cards. And let's help them. There's nothing better than pastoring a church like that. It's nothing better than going, God, you've been so good to our church and you've prepared us for the next step in our church. Like there's nothing better than pastor in a church that has food in the house. There's food in the house. And number three is this question number three. Why does God want me to do this? Why does he care about my money? Well, your money and your heart are together. He's after your heart. But the question is, why does he want you to do this? Well, uh, the Bible says to test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now, now the number 10 tithe, I told you a few weeks ago, means completion, right? But other parts of scripture, 10 can also mean testing. It's a test. God, God wants to see if you trust him or, or you trust money. And, and what's so interesting is he says this. He says, how are we robbing you? He goes on to say, and he says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. He says, you, you've actually, because you're holding back, you've placed your life under a curse. And you're like, a curse? Yeah, it's not having to do with his love, Right? But you're hurting yourself is what he's saying. I'll give you an example. So I got elbow bursitis. Anybody ever heard of that last week? And uh, my elbow filled up with, with fluid. Right? It's, it's a sign you're getting older. Because I, ne I never, like in my life, never ever broken anything, not going plastic, like never, never been, never had stitches for a long time. I had them in my tongue one time when I was a kid, a long story. And so, uh, but I had, a, my elbow was all swollen. I woke up, it's all swollen. I'm playing softball on Sundays, right? It's really serious, playoffs. And so I'm like, this can't happen this week. God, what are you doing to me, right? And so I, I, it swelled up and I looked online. It was like, it's bursitis. And it, here's how you get rid of bursitis, you rest. What's that? Who has time for rest, right? And I, 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 I've been thinking a lot because we've been trying to exercise in the mornings. And so, and I've just thought to myself, if I ever stop, I'm 41 years old, I'm never going to start again. It's just the flat out truth. Like if I stop, I'm just going to stop, right? Like, I'm going I'm to age gracefully, but I'm not going back to the gym. It's painful, right? So I got this bursitis, and it was like, hey, you got you to rest seven to ten days. I had softball on Sunday, and, you know, I want to exercise. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not resting. Went to the gym the next day. And uh, anyway, went to work. And after I went to work, I started, in work, I started getting a fever. I had 102 fever. We were eating uh, out at this, this barbecue place. The food was kind of suspect. And I was like, I, 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 it's like you're getting septic. Like I Google it, right? It's like you have bursitis, it's become septic, you could die. The lady was like, do you want dessert? I was like, yes, this could be my last meal. And so <laughs> I quick pounded a whole piece of peanut butter pie, right? And then we went and I, I went to uh, urgent care and he's like, he was like, yeah, you got your, your, your septic, you need antibiotics, we're going to drain it. And, and I was sitting there thinking, why did this all happen? To which God was saying it happened because you didn't rest. It happened because you put your elbow that was, was infected on the same pad as a bunch of other sweaty dudes and probably got their germs inside of you. And now you're septic and you're dying, right? But you can't blame God. You didn't listen. And that, like some of you, you can't blame God for where you're at financially. You can't blame God for where your business is at. You can't blame God that you don't ever have enough if you don't listen to what he's telling you to do. In fact, he says to you, test me in this put me to the test i did an illustration years ago uh, that i wanted to do again for you today to, sh to, to show you this but some of you have been wondering what's under this it's just runts 
But these two, these two represent life. The, the, the non-tither, the tither. You see, it's about the same. Pretty close. So the non-tither, this represents their money, their fruit. What does life look like? Well, all of us, when we move out, rent or mortgage, right? And taxes and more taxes because I live in a county that sends you a personal tax. And so, and then you got car payments. The average American spends five to $600 a month and we need two. Car payment, insurance, right? You have a couple babies. They're formula, diapers, right? Uh, bottles. Then they get older and they just never stop spending money. Food, I didn't even mention food yet. And food and electric bills because nobody closes any doors. Electric and, 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 and gas and braces and everything else you could think of. Vacation and, and the fair. And you got one left, little, you see that Montgomeryville? You got half fruit left, and you're, you're like, God, there's nothing left. You're trying to shake me down, but literally, I got nothing left. And then you're stressed, and you have anxiety and fears, and the reason is because you love and worship money. And here's the thing about being a saver. I don't know if you notice this, because as I've gone through my life, I've switched. I've become more of a saver. It's never enough. You never, ever have enough in the bank where you go, oh, I can rest. You just, it's never enough. If you're a spender, you're never happy. You just keep buying. There's never enough. So, so that's the first way to live. Second way is same thing. First 10%. First 10% is God's. Whether I make a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, a million bucks, first 10% is God's. It's God's when I'm at my first job. It's God's when I get my promotion. It's God's when I get money back from the government. It's God's. First 10%, God's. Then life is normal. It's not like you give 10% and God goes, everything's easy. Oh no. Mortgage, taxes, personal tax, cars, car broke down, right? Washer, braces, all this stuff that comes. Groceries, Costco bill. Let me just, Costco bill, right? The Bible says, test me. Did you see what the last part of Malachi says? Watch what it says. It says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not even going to be room enough to store it. So this person started with the tithe. Doesn't mean it's easy, but then God comes in the picture. God comes in the picture. And he says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm able to bless you at all times so that you may accomplish everything that you're called to accomplish. I can, I'll make a mess up here. I can make a way where there seems to be no way. Like I, I got more than enough. If you would just start with the tithe, if you would just trust me. And I can tell you, want me to dump a little more? I can make a little bit more of a mess. We just keep going. I can tell you, I can tell you that has changed my life. That has changed the church. Like when we went through COVID this last year, studies suggest that more churches than you can even imagine are not coming out of COVID. They're just not. Uh, there are going to be churches closed everywhere. Pastors are quitting at a rate they have never quit before. They're, they're just leaving the ministry. And, and I get it. But I got to tell you, one of, the greatest, one of the greatest parts of COVID for me was knowing that for a decade before that we have trusted God in our finances as a church. 
and I knew that he said, test me in this and see if I will not flood open the gates of heaven. You know what? 2020 into 2021, especially now, our best year financially ever. Ever. And I personally, I know people in the church, they would say the exact same thing. On the heels of what was supposed to be a a recession, somehow, because I put God first in my business and in my personal life, God has been able to bless me in a way that I never dreamed possible. Listen, it's not about taking your money. I want to just tell you one more time. We don't need your money. I don't, I, don't, I don't want your money like that. I don't want you to give grudgingly or return grudgingly. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But man, I want some freedom for you. As, your, as a pastor, as a shepherd, I want you to understand the significance of trusting God and testing God and watching him open up doors that he could only open up and making a way that he could only make. Would you stand to your feet all over this house and would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed uh you know years ago we would say okay well let's give people a chance to sign up right now take the 90 day tithe challenge and all the things that we've done before Uh, but i'm not doing any of that here's why because i believe that the work that the lord needs to do he's already done i pray that he would help me speak clearly um, and I, i want you to understand not about getting god to love you not about getting god to you know, accept you. He already does. He loves you. Loves you more than you can imagine. You don't buy your salvation. This is about living in freedom. This is about stepping into the promises of God, experiencing the blessings that God says that he'll provide. Seeing him open up doors that he can only open up. I've watched it in my personal life. I've experienced it as the pastor. I've celebrated with people who've come to this church that have shared stories. Hey, this is what happened after I started trusting God with my finances. And I just want that for more people. I want God to be able to bless you and take care of you and open up doors. And so, man, some of you, the next step is just, I got to do it. I got to do recurring giving. I got to give online. I got to figure it out. You can go to our website. I just got to be a part of this. Some of you already do it, and here's what you can do in this moment. You're just going to pray for the people because there, there is literally uh, big things are always on the side of, of the other side of fear. So, man, this is one of those things, man. It is it's terrifying to begin to put God first in your finances, especially when you've been living your life up to, right up to the mark. Like this is, I spend everything that I bring in. When God's greatest moments in our lives are on the other side of great steps of, of faith in the face of fear. And as we, as we, we, we pray, maybe you've been here, like you talked this entire time to the Christians and, the, and about money and um, it hasn't really felt like, like any of this was for me. Like you even said, this isn't about me. I'm not a Christian. But something's happening in your life and you're, 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 you want to be. Like you, you're, you're kind of tired, kind of weary. You're kind of depressed. You carry a lot of shame around in your life and you're ready for a change. And here's why that I preached on money and I spoke on money uh, and why it's so significant for you because every penny that comes in to this church was given so that we could establish a place where the presence of God could show up and meet people just like you. Where he could, he could show you his love. He could allow you to feel his compassion, to experience his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's here. Bible promises where two or more gathered in his name. And make no doubt, that is the only reason we come together. To lift up the name of Jesus, the name above all names. 
I love that last song. He's too good to not believe. Because we've seen it. We've seen God change people's marriages and break their addictions and set them free and help them get rid of bitterness and anxiety and fear. And that same God that did it for them, he can do it for you. He can change your life forever if you would just receive him as your Lord and your Savior. And so we're going to pray in a second. Uh, we're going to pray in Montgomeryville. If you're joining us online, we're going we're to pray for you as well. And maybe you're here right now and you say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, but I want one. I want one. I'm at the spot where I'm tired of living life the way I'm living it, and I'm tired of going through what I'm going through and carrying what I'm carrying. I want to give my life, my heart to, to God. I want him to save me. I want him to set me free. The Bible says if you would just humble yourself and call on the name of Jesus, that you'll be saved. And so I want to pray with you as we close. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Uh, I'm not going to call you out. Nobody's looking around. Uh, but you're here. And you know you need Jesus. Like you just, you just do. Like you just know. Like you don't even understand everything. In fact, you didn't come in, in here even knowing, but something's, something's clicked as we've been speaking and singing and you've been sitting here and now you're standing and you know that something is drawing your heart. Something is knocking at the door of who you are. And, and you're ready to say yes. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. When I, when I ask you in a second, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand straight towards heaven. And that's just a signal to me but more importantly, to the one who created you, the God of the heavens and the earth, that I'm here and I don't want to be without you anymore. I want a relationship with you. I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. So come on, if that's you here in Phoenixville, if you're in Montgomeryville joining us, they're going to let me know. If you're, if you're watching online, maybe you'll just text in the chat. I need a relationship with Jesus. Because, But if you're here right now, if you're physically with us in one of our buildings and you say, Pastor, that's me, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're talking to me right now. There's a hand there. There's a hand here. There's a hand here. There's a hand here. Yeah. Yeah, another hand right here. Yeah, yeah. God's good. Sometimes you wonder, God, how are we, we going to land this plane? We're talking about money. But the presence of God is good. And he's here. He loves. He's filled with grace and mercy. So as we pray in this room, all you're going to say if you raise your hand is, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. That's it. I want you to save me. Jesus, set me free. I don't want to live one more moment without you. And when you do that, the Spirit of God is going to fill you up. You're going to feel joy. You're going to feel peace. You're going to feel hope. You're going to feel mercy. You're going to feel love that you've never felt before. Come on, church, let's begin to pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you continue to do. Would you, would you right now in this moment, as people are saying yes to you, would you come in and manifest yourself, your Holy Spirit, in a real way with, with hope and with joy and with peace. Fill them up right now in this moment, Lord. Thank you for saving them. Thank you for setting them free. Uh, thank you for forgiving them. Thank you for giving them hope, Lord. Thank you that this is the best decision that they're ever going to make. Lord, stuff is going to change from this day forward. They're going to be a brand new person, the Bible says. The old is dead and gone. Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for all that you're going to do in and through this church. You continue to do it. We love you. In your name we pray. One more time, Journey Church, let's shout amen together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.